crush your menopause sugar cravings in time for warm weather fun with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. Delicious, keto, and intermittent fasting-friendly. These bars help women manage weight and energy during all stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code Katie10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Have you ever noticed how certain words or phrases spark feelings of excitement? Words like summer vacation or passport, phrases like wheels up. My guest today is Susan Heinrich of Midlife Globetrotter, another word that absolutely sparks joy and feelings of wanderlust. She joins me today to talk about fabulous destinations, how to give solo travel a try, and why travel is a chance for women in midlife to rendezvous with parts of themselves that often get lost in the daily shuffle of caring for others. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, I love to travel. I have wanderlust. I have some trips in mind for the summer, and I'm really excited to talk all things travel with you. But I want to do a quick intro first. Your business is called Midlife Globetrotter. Why the emphasis on midlife? What made you launch this business? Well, I, um, I'm, my, ba- my background is uh, in writing. I'm a writer. I was formerly a newspaper reporter in, early in my career. And then I have um, two young adult sons. And um, so I definitely stepped off of the career track in those years when they were young. I had continued to do some freelance writing. But um, as they got older and I approached 50, I was ready to embark on something new. Like you, I love to travel. And obviously, I was a midlife woman at that point. And actually, midlife had been become a very kind of uh, tumultuous time for me that I had navigated through it. I think we're going to talk a little more about that. But um, I felt like it was this, this concept of the opportunity about how travel could be unique for midlife women would resonated with me and I thought it would resonate with other women as well and since I'm a writer uh, um, writing about my experience sharing my experience through writing and photography made sense for for me I love it. So one of the things that did attract me to you and to your website is that there's a lot of content about travel, beautiful imagery on your Instagram but you also do talk about um, you know how midlife sort of felt like a strange new land that you needed to navigate. Um, I would love if you'd be willing to share a little bit about why midlife felt tumultuous um, with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So as I approached 50, um, I suddenly started feeling like my life, which until that point I had been very content with, just it didn't fit me anymore. And I, there was no obvious reason for me to be feeling that way. So it was very, it was a very kind of disorienting feeling to suddenly um, not be happy in a life that you had been content in. Um, And so I had to embark on a journey of figuring out what was going on. Why did I suddenly feel that way? Um, And what was I going to do about it? 
And that's why I have used the term vertigo because that's what it felt like. It just felt like my world, nothing obvious had shifted and yet everything felt different for me and I had to figure out what was going on. So was this midlife vertigo? Do you think that there's this experience of sort of disorientation and, and just sort of feeling not content with this life that you had built? Do you think it was related to menopause? Was it more about your kids, you know, being on the cusp of adulthood? Was it a hybrid? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, It's hard to know for sure, right? Definitely, it had to do with, I think it was a hybrid. I think it was a combination of all of those things. My kids were growing up and needed me less, which frankly, I was kind of thrilled about. (laughs) But I think um, I had lost a bit of myself in my role as mom. And like many of us, we give so much of ourselves uh, to other people, especially if we have families, happily. But um, I, uh, yeah, I think it was this feeling that they needed me less. And I think it was for me that I, I felt like I really wasn't using my um, my talents and my passions and really um, that, that part of my life felt like it was missing. I Although I had been doing a little bit of creative work, um, I think I really felt like I needed to embrace that part of me in a much bigger way than I had been. Yeah, it's sort of like a phantom limb. Like it was something that you had done for so long and it was a big part of your identity to be a a news reporter and a news writer. But to have that, um, I don't want to say atrophy because that sounds so terrible. But I I, I can really relate to a lot of what you're sharing. I I remember at one point sitting on my front porch with a, a friend of mine and I had three young kids at the time. And I'm like, what happened? Like, what happened? <laughs> like, what what happened mm-hmm. to my life? How did I get to this moment where it's all about, um, you know, childcare and being, of, you, know, s- you know, service to my kids solely versus, you know, I had a career. And at one point I was, you know, a journalist and I, you know, I was, you know, I succeeded in school and I did all these different things. And I really let a lot of that kind of um wane as I focused on on family life. Um, so as your kids got older and you had the chance to reinvent this again, um, what caused you to focus on travel versus any other thing that you could have been doing? Yeah, it's a good question. I've definitely always had wanderlust and been passionate about travel. Um, and one of one of and one of the reasons was because around this same time in 2017, I actually went on a trip to India. Um, without my family. So my kids were 14 and 17 at the time. And I left them and my husband um, for three weeks to go on a trip to India. And of course, I missed them enormously. But that trip really reminded me how it felt to be Susan, not mom, writer, dog walker, school volunteer, all the other roles that many of us play as women. And that feeling was just so refreshing and invigorating. And I felt really excited about life again. And so it may, it reminded me that travel can be so magical because it, it pulls us out of our daily lives. And it's much easier to imagine new and different things for yourself when you're not grocery, when you're not you know, at home and, and just doing all the errands and making dinner. So being physically pulled out of your normal life and put in a new place, obviously India was a very extreme example of that. And you don't have to go that far to get this experience. But I think travel creates a really special opportunity for us to explore things about ourselves, focus on ourselves, maybe rediscover passions that we had that we let go and we didn't have time. Um, And that's why, because it was such a meaningful experience for me, and because I love to travel and hope to do more of it at this stage of life, um, it it made sense for me to focus on that and and help other women discover 
um, ways that travel could bring new things into their life at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. To take yourself a little bit out of your day-to-day and, and put yourself into the, the sort of magic of travel. I noticed that your website really, although your Instagram shows you all over the world in all different locations, you in some ways focus on like two types of travel. One is solo travel, solo travel for women, and you also have a lot of content on travel for good. But let's start with solo travel because you took that trip to India alone. What does a solo female traveler need to know? What's a great trip to try for a first-time solo traveler who might be listening to this who's thinking, I really want it, I, I want that alone time, but I'm a little leery of India. Where do you recommend they begin? Yeah, so those are great questions. So um, first of all, with the India trip, and, and this will tie into one of my suggestions, although I went without my family, I was on a group tour. And I think so I was on a small group tour of, of uh, 12 of us and with a tour guide. And so you can be an independent traveler and either maybe you're traveling solo because you don't have a partner or your partner doesn't want to go where you want to go. Um, or you just want that experience of, of being on your own. I think small group tours, especially if you want to go somewhere that's a little more um, culturally different from where you're from, like, you know, Morocco or India, there's a lot of places, even Europe, there's lots of wonderful um, trips for women. So that can be a really great option. Um, if you actually want to travel on your own, then I think um Deciding where to go, you know, uh, depends sort of how adventurous you feel. If you're quite nervous about it, one thing I suggest for people is if you're going somewhere anyway with your family or friends, um, tack on a couple of days on your own at the beginning or end of a trip and just explore what it feels like to be on your own. And that can be a nice way to give yourself a little more confidence that you can navigate a place on your own. Um, I really love European cities for solo travel because there's so much to see and do and it's such an immersive experience and with museums and everything that um, I feel like that's something that you can do quite happily on your own. I was in Paris on my own for 10 days last fall and it was just a fantastic experience. Paris is a great place to go on your own because Parisians dine alone very often. It's something that you see. Um, oftentimes the dining alone part is something that trips us up a little bit. We think, well, who am I going to have dinner with? And that's going to feel awkward. But since so many Parisians dine alone, I ate on my own every night and was perfectly happy to do it. Um, so yeah. And, and I think listening to your own intuition, you know, what are you craving? If you're craving just going to not just, if you're craving a beach holiday where you're just going to be relaxing and not worrying about sightseeing, then, then fantastic. Um, I think giving ourselves permission to really dream about what we want to do. And then once you know what you want to do, you can kind of reverse engineer it and figure out, well, can I do that on my own? Or is that a better trip to do with a small group, for example? I love You had me at give ourselves permission because I, yeah. I really do. That's That's been a theme of this show. I hear this from multiple people about giving ourselves permission to you know, try a, a new career on for size, give ourselves permission to try something creative, write a book, write a, you know, a screenplay, um, learn something new. So you know, give yourself permission to take the trip um, that helps you explore what it is that you want to focus on. So Absolutely. smart, such great yeah. advice. And you, you and, have, and, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Susan. No, I was just going to say one other little tip that I think if you are going somewhere solo um, that I do, and I was just in Greece and I was in Athens on my own for three days, and I do this all the time. The first night I was there, I joined um, a walking tour. 
because you have a, you know, a guide that takes you around. They help you orient to the city. Uh, you get, you get your bearings a little bit, you get comfortable. And then oftentimes they'll give you their telephone number as well, just in case something comes up and you have a question. So it's just that sort of little, uh, feeling of security, but evening tour, evening walking tours or guided tours are wonderful because that's the time that maybe, maybe many of us are a little bit less comfortable exploring on our own. And so I'll often join a, a walking tour in the evening. Um, I think that's super helpful. smart, super smart tip. We're going to be heading into a commercial break, but when we come back, I want to ask you about uh, another solo travel tip that I saw on your Instagram. We'll be back after this quick break. At a certain age, we love dry humor, but dry skin, no. Dry skin is one of the most common complaints of women as we age. Why? Because our skin naturally starts to produce less oil and our estrogen levels drop, and less estrogen equals drier skin. At Carrie Grand Skincare, they believe that we don't need more products as we age, we need better ones, with natural oil-based ingredients, focusing on health and hydration, not youth and perfection. Carrie Grand is dedicated to giving our skin the nourishment it needs. With a simple three-step ritual, you'll see the difference a few essential products can do. At Carrie Grand, they use only the best organic, naturally derived, and non-GMO ingredients. This woman-run company is also sustainably conscious and hand-pours all their products in Seattle. Exclusively for a certain age listeners, you can use code KATIE20 at checkout to receive 20% off plus free shipping. That's K-A-T-I-E-2-0. Head to Carrie Grand today. That's K-A-R-I-G-R-A-N. Your thirsty skin will thank you. So, Susan, we're back after the break. You shared a wonderful tip heading into it that if you're leery about walking along, you know, a strange city by yourself at night to consider signing up for a walking tour, even if you're not in that country on on a big group tour. Very tactical and smart. Um, you share so many wonderful tips on your Instagram and on your website. One that caught my eye was how to get photos as a solo traveler, right? Like you were saying, you were, you were in Paris alone. <laughs> yeah. You know, how are you going to get somebody to take a picture of you in front of the Eiffel Tower? You share a couple of concrete ideas besides, you know, hey, just passing your, your cell phone to somebody to take it. Can you um, share some of those ideas with our listener? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I do, I do, I will pass my phone to strangers, but, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of, if, if I need, if I really want a photo and I, and I can't get one, um, cause I'm not with someone, I'll look for people who are trying to get a photo of themselves. You know, they've got their arm out and they're trying to get a selfie of their group. And I'll just walk up and say, would you like me to take a photo of you? And they'll say, Oh yes, please. And then they'll reciprocate and take a photo of me. So that can work really well. Um, I also travel with a little portable, um, tripod that I use and typically I'll uh, head out in the morning if I'm in a city because there aren't as many people around. So I'm going and the light is always very nice in the morning. And so I'll be a little more com more comfortable just setting my tripod up on something uh, and then taking pictures. So definitely playing around with your phone before you trip. So you before your trip, sorry, so you get comfortable with the self timer is great because if you're taking pictures of yourself, you just need ideally you have a little tripod or you can even just lean it up against something, but you need to use the, the self timer function. Um, and uh, yeah. And then otherwise, um, 
you know, if I'm, if I'm, uh, I'll, I will usually, I'll try and get some on my own, but, but usually I'll ask people, I find it's the easiest. Yep. Very. And I'll also tell uh, the other thing I maybe mentioned is I'll actually tell people what I want. So I'll frame, uh, because I like photography and I'm a blogger, so I do need these images for social media and my blog, but I'll kind of scope it out and look through my viewfinder and, and sort of figure out how I want the picture to look. And then I'll sort of show them and tell them, can you take some sideways and some, some up and down? So I think giving people a little direction can be helpful as well. Absolutely. You get, give them a lot of direction. I'm do, I do that to my Instagram boyfriend a lot, who is actually my <laughs> husband. And I'll say, this is how I want the picture to look. Very. Uh, so don't be afraid to uh, t- tell people what your expectations are. So t- packing tips. I know that you um, shared on your website that you, um, you know, packing can sometimes feel overwhelming, even for a travel pro like you. I always feel overwhelmed when I look at a suitcase. Um, what would be a handful of tips we should consider to make it easy to travel light in this day and age, right? When airlines are charging an arm and leg for every extra bag. Absolutely. I love this topic. And I will tell you, I struggle with packing every time. I really dislike it. Um, and it's it's a struggle. So what I, you know, I've been picking up some new tips and trying new things. I do use packing cubes. <clears throat> especially if I'm going to be on one of those trips where you're packing and, and unpacking every couple of days, I find packing cubes that essentially function as drawers can really be helpful in staying organized. I won't use packing cubes if I'm going to, you know, on a beach holiday for a week, cause then you're unpacking once into a drawer. You don't need them. Um, the e- I think the easiest way to keep your wardrobe to a minimum is to pick a color palette to go with. So I created a spring capsule war- wardrobe on my uh, for Instagram because a lot of people were asking me for capsule wardrobe ideas for travel. So I created um, a spring capsule wardrobe that could fit into a carry-on for, and the idea was one week in Europe. And I started with the color palette navy and white because I like navy and white and I happen to have many items in that color. And then I just added a few kind of scarves, accent pieces, um, pink as an accent to liven it up a bit. But if you were more into new- to neutrals, you could truly just stick with navy and white. So, or you could go with cream and black or, you know, tan and tan and dark brown. But I think starting with a color palette, so most of your things mix and match, and then just adding in a few accents is really helpful. The other big thing that I think, Katie, you're going to probably agree with me here that most of us run into problems with as women travelers is shoes. Yes. <laughs> that was already <laughs> in my know? head. You were talking about, yeah. you know, like, well, but what about all the shoes? Right. Shoes are, I mean, that, I think that's where many of us really get hung up. And shoes are very, when you, when you actually, the next time you pack, take a note of how much room your shoes take compared to everything else. Shoes take up an enormous amount of room in our bag. Okay. So I would limit any trip to no, no longer than three pairs. And I really don't care how long you're going with, unless maybe you have, you know, formal events that you're attending or something. I, I don't think any of us really need more than three pairs of shoes. Um, and for, let's say for warm weather and, and Europe, for example, where you're going to be walking a lot, it's a, it's a lot of walking and it's hot. I think the key there is having, starting with a fantastic pair of sandals. They need to be uber comfortable, have good arch support and be cute enough that they can work with shorts, but also with your sundresses and skirts. If you get that pair of sandals, right, it's really, you're going to wear them. Like when I was in Greece, I wore the same, I was just in Greece recently and I wore the same pair of shoes 80% of the trip. 
um, which are sandals that just fit that description that I gave you. And then it's easy to pick two other pairs for accent, maybe one pair of sneakers that you're going to travel in and one pair that are a little something different for the evening because maybe you don't want to wear the pair that you've been wearing around all day. But I take I took take three pairs of shoes. Um, I just did 10 days in Greece with three pairs of shoes and I've gone to Europe with just for longer. I was there for three weeks and took three pairs of shoes. So I really, I'm telling you it's possible and I love overpacking, but I think getting the shoes right is important. Yeah. Th- that's, that's such great advice. And I, and, and I agree with the, the three that you've outlined as well. And, you know, honestly, the way fashion is right now, I mean, you know, women of all ages are wearing, you know, little cute white sneakers with sundresses and in jeans and, you know, you're, you're, your shoes can really, um, you know, sort of multitask across different outfits. I Absolutely. myself love Birkenstocks. I think those are okay. those are so comfortable to walk yes. in, as well. Great. So that can be your sturdy, yes. Your sturdy those, sandal. Those would be a perfect. Those would be ideal at Birkenstocks as your sort of everyday walking around sandals because they're so comfortable and they're cute. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about travel for good. Um, and I know that you on your website call it travel that matters. I uh, saw a blog post that you wrote that caught my eye about how travel, you know, how as we as travelers can, um, you know, empower and support women across the globe. We can support economic empowerment in the places that we visit. And this caught my eye. I wanted to hear your suggestions on how we do that. Yeah, I love that topic. You know, tourism makes up almost 10% of the world's GDP and, and, and is very significant in developing countries. An enormous number of people work in tourism. And increasingly, uh, in places like Asia and Africa, those are women, women who don't necessarily have as many opportunities in traditional roles in the workforce are actually finding opportunities um, in travel and tourism, and not just um, working for other people, but also starting their own businesses. You know, starting little hotels, starting restaurants, starting businesses as tour guides. And so I think if we um, can make a little effort to find those women, and sometimes a a travel agent can sometimes help you with this. And I'm working on resources for my website. I do have the one story where I link to different resources where you can find women tour guides, for example. So if you make a point to, you know, of course, not everyone not every person that you, uh, not every restaurant you go to is going to be owned by women. But I think if you just go with this mindset of, I know there's lots of women working in tourism that I can meet and support, uh, maybe do a little research before you go. And then once you're there, ask around. Um, there's incredible opportunity to support women-owned businesses while we travel. And our travel dollars make a huge difference in their livelihoods. And what are other some other ways we could travel for good? Okay, so... Um, Uh, I think that making sure that you are, well, one example would be with hotels, for example. Um, So what you want is you want your travel dollars to to stay, to go to the people in that place as much as possible, women or men, as opposed to big multinational companies that are, you know, uh, in the United States or, or Europe. So one example would be choosing a small locally, not doesn't have to be small, but a locally owned hotel over a hotel that's owned by like a Hilton uh, or a like a yeah, like a exactly. big a big exactly yeah so um that's one example another one is sometimes you can hire so rather than you know obviously if we're going if we're going on an organized tour many of those tour groups are going to be owned by uh American companies or or European companies but sometimes there's an opportunity to work to have ask to, for a travel agent to book you with some um, 
accommodations, excursions. Uh, I did this when I went to Southeast Asia. There was an organization that was based in Asia and she put me with, she sort of set me up with them. So they were overseeing my activities. They got me a guide. They got me my, um, my um, transportation. So it's, it's another example of think about as much as possible if your dollars can be going into the pockets of people who are local that then your travel dollars are are making a difference in um, in their lives. The other thing is, I think, just being culturally sensitive, going with a sense of curiosity and not expecting things to be exactly like they are at home because they're not going to be and having a lot of patience and, and being open-minded about what can I learn about this other culture um, and being respectful of their culture and not asking myself the whole time why the place isn't more like home because we travel to have different experiences and learn about other places in the world. So I think that mindset can go a long way also to making it a more meaningful experience for us, but also being um, travelers that, you know, are that other people enjoy getting to know. And it's sort of an opportunity to learn about each other. These are great suggestions. I love the the notion of getting to know um, uh, different cultures in that way. I'm going to add a suggestion. Um, there's a wonderful organiza- travel organization. It's called IVF. It's International Volunteer um, uh, Force. And it's something that my daughter actually traveled through. And I'm hoping I'm getting the name right. I'm going to, oh, it's no, IVHQ, International Volunteer Headquarters. And oh. this is a, it's a travel program that allows anyone, not just, my daughter did it after high school as her gap year. But you could do it as a family. You could do it as a senior citizen. You can travel to countries across the globe. And IVHQ sets you up with volunteer opportunities in those countries. Grace actually volunteered when she was in Tanzania. Um, and she worked with um, women who had HIV, helping them make jewelry as part of their business. So oh, you know, how, that's fabulous. How fantastic. I haven't heard of that. I will I will make a note of it and add it. Yeah, add it into it's, it's, yeah. So, it's so great. And it, it allows, you know, because if you just show up in Tanzania and you want to volunteer, it's sometimes hard to find those opportunities. So mm-hmm. there are organizations that can um, connect you to things, you know, opportunities across a range of different countries. So that, and that's such a wonderful way of experiencing a culture. I myself lived in Japan after um, college. I taught English and I spent two years in Japan. And I had, a, you know, obviously a very, when you're living and working in a country, you know, I was doing it for two years. Grace was in Tanzania for a month. You know, just it allows you to get connected to the community in a way that you wouldn't if you were simply a tourist. So it's such a wonderful way to experience. Yes, I agree. That's fantastic. Um, You mentioning that made me think of one other one. There's one called Pack for for Purpose. Mm -hmm. And you can actually go on their website and and depending on where you're going, they work with local charities that always need items. Um, Sometimes items that aren't readily available there. So you can actually, um, and usually they have fairly, they can organize fairly easy drop-offs, like just have someone come and pick it up at your hotel. So you can bring with you, you know, I don't know, flashcards or English flashcards for school, or they'll use, they'll have lists on their website about what they need. Fabulous. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're, we're putting that into the show notes. Yeah, so Susan, so th- we're talking about traveling with purpose. That's a wonderful thing to be doing. Sometimes we just simply travel for fun. You know, there's all, all kinds of travel are welcome. This show is the beginning of August, right? We still have a few weeks of summer. Uh, any last minute travel destinations we should have on our list for summer fun? Oh, that's such a good question. 
Well, I'm originally from Canada. So summer for me is all about jumping in lakes. Um, and so I would choose, I would look at choose depending on where you are, some sort of a, like a great lakes trip, maybe somewhere in Michigan would be really fun. Um, or one of those old lodges in the Adirondacks. That would yes. be my, that would nice. be my dreamy, my dream summer getaway, early morning canoeing, um, jumping in the lake, tennis. I, so I think something like that would be fun and unique because I think that's kind of unique to summer in North America, right? We're not going to do that. Like the ocean is available. You can go South to the ocean or to California any time of year, but I think summer is a really nice time to do that kind of lake holiday. I love that. Okay. And so um, August will eventually end. We're looking to fall. Are there any favorite <laughs> uh, you know, domestic or international trips that, that are fun to do when the seasons start to change? Yes. Okay. Well, let's start with domestic. I love the national parks of the West in fall. If that's something that is on your bucket list, the summer crowds are gone and it's not as hot because the I live in Denver and the West is very hot in the summer. The Utah parks are extremely hot. Even um, Wyoming can be very hot in the summer. Uh, so I think the fall is a fantastic time. Grand Teton is one of my favorites in Wyoming. It's absolutely stunning. It's not huge. So you can see it in just a few days. And if you like upscale food and accommodation, the town of Jackson, which is really right next to Grand Teton, is a wonderful base. You could add on Yellowstone National Park at the same time if you wanted, because they're right next to each other. Um, in the West, I also love Zion National Park in the southwest of Utah. It's one of my favorites. Um, so that, and then of course the Northeast in fall, late September, early October to go see the leaves changing. Maine would be beautiful. Acadia National Park, if you like to hike. Um, if you like city trips, I would go to New York, my favorite. That's where you <laughs> yes, live, right? I, I, well, yeah. I live on Long Island now, but okay. I am an, yeah. I am originally a New Yorker and I'm, okay. you know, I'm getting back there at yeah. some point. So I think, you know, I would, I'm not a fan of those, of New York necessarily in the summer. It's just so hot. And so I think the fall is a beautiful time to visit New York or Chicago. And then, and then Europe, if you're going, if you want to go internet, if you want to go somewhere in the fall, the fall is my favorite time to go to Europe. I know level, many people like the spring, but I love late September. It's where I was there. I was there for three weeks last year, um, last two weeks of September, first time, uh, first week of October, and it was perfect. So I think I would not go to Europe in the summer. It's hot. It's crowded. It's expensive. In August, everyone leaves Europe or sorry, leaves Europe. In August, all of the locals go on vacation in Europe. So many restaurants and activities and things are closed. So I think the fall is if you have a if you've been dreaming of Europe, I think the fall is a fantastic time to go to France or Italy or Greece, Portugal, any of those places. Yeah, absolutely. And and the notion, you know, once you get a little bit older and your kids, um, you know, become empty nesters, I still have a 15 year old. So we're still on the school schedule uh, mm -hmm. that dictates our vacations. But as you get older, you really have the luxury of of, of heading out and packing up and hopping on a plane, um, you know, on your own calendar. So it makes sense to really take advantage of that. You mentioned at the top of the show that you are married, that you have two young adult children. Um, do you, what are your recommendations for family travel? How do you get them excited? How do you get them involved? Do you, as the travel pro, pick the trips? Do you pull your kids in to help you decide? Walk us through how we can make a, a family trip you know, successful and fun for everyone. 
It is a great question because <clears throat> the older they get, the more opinions they have about these things. And also the busier they are with their own lives and their own schedules. One of our challenges, so my boys are 18 and 21. And one of our challenges now is just, um, my older son has graduated from college. So it's not even his school schedule now, but now he's working. <laughs> so he, you know, so I, I had asked him if he wanted to do a family holiday this summer before he started work. And he just didn't have time with all of the various things he had going on. So of course, you know, you I, I would say a hundred percent, you want to get them involved. They're going to have their own opinions about things. And I think it's going to be a lot more fun if you, if, if it's a collaborative, right? What is, look at, let's, brainstorm let's have some fun why doesn't everybody let's have a family dinner everybody come with kind of one place that you are interested in and we can talk about it um so yeah I definitely and my kids have very specific ideas about things my older son is a foodie so any trip that he wants to do is there's got to be a lot of you know he's going to want to do food experiences learn about the local food and that kind of thing um the younger guy is probably more interested in water-based activities. He likes swimming. And so you kind of want to plan things for something for everyone. Find out what they're most, once you decide on a destination, I would ask them what they most want to do because you're not going to be able to do everything for everyone. But at that stage, they're old enough to understand today we're doing this because mom really wants to do it, you know, so there's a little bit of something for everyone um, and get them as get them really involved. Yeah, great. Maybe some yeah. people have very easygoing kids and they're happy to just say, yeah, I'll go. Um, you plan it, we'll be there. That's not my family. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I've been feeling that's a lot of people's, you know, it's not their families. But you know, people do have opinions. And, you know, I, I also think um, you know, doing um trips that that um where there's activities. You know, when we were in Italy mm -hmm. as a family we, you know, one day my, my daughter and I went shopping while my husband took the boys to this um, kind of where they got to pretend that they were Roman gladiators. You know, it was like a gladiator experience. So we kind of divided and conquered that afternoon. But then you know, we met back up to do family pizza making, which, by the way, everybody loved. And here's kind yeah. of like a, like a weird and funny tip for people who've got kids who are sort of in the mid-range or perhaps you're traveling with grandchildren. Do not be afraid to book tour guides that actually um, are used to working with small children. Because when we went to the Vatican, I hired somebody to be our tour guide who was good about translating the Vatican and its you know, history into language that my kids could understand because they ranged from five to about 12. But guess what? I was happy to get the 12-year-old version of the Vatican because I was you know, tired and jet lagged and... Um, the the tour guide, you know, who nominally was there to talk to the kids, actually was was terrific for us as well. So, you know, work with tour guides that that aren't going to you know um, inundate you with facts if if you're just there to get sort of like a top line fun fun overview. That's absolutely that is a great tip. The other one that I think is really good with kids is it's important not to and and, and us as well. We can take I think we can take a lesson from this as well is not to over schedule every little moment, you know, everybody needs time to, it's nice just to walk around and explore a place and have time. Oh, can we stop for ice cream and just sit on this bridge and, and watch the people go by and be able to say yes, instead of no, because we need to run to this next activity because, because it can be exhausting traveling like that. So um, not planning every minute, I think is important too.
Yep, downtime and pl- and plenty of time for gelato and ice cream. I agree. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, Susan. And just and just, and, just um, and so that if something and being it gives you time to be open to something unexpected that might come up. Absolutely. All right, this has been fun. We're going to be moving into our speed round because our time is coming to a close, and this is just so we can cover some more ground and get a little bit like end on a high energy note. So this is just one or two word answers to a question. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Let's do it. Launching Midlife Globetrotter was? Uh, Steep learning curve. Nice. Okay, honest answers. We're here for those. Last country I visited? Greece. Next destination? Canada. Best, oh wait, where in Canada? Well, I'm from Toronto, but then next international, I'll be going back to Europe in the fall. Nice. Okay, best budget travel hack? Ooh... Oh, that is a that is a good one. Uh, having it having a little kitchen in your accommodation so you don't have to eat every meal out. Yes, perfect. Especially for things like breakfast or feeding small kids. I yeah. agree. All right, favorite travel indulgence worth a splurge. A rooftop cocktail with beautiful scenery. Nice. Put this underrated destination on your list. It's quite far afield, but I in Southeast Asia, I really loved Laos. And, you know, many people go go there and go to Thailand. And um, I thought Laos, which is a small landlocked country in, in Southeast Asia, was just incredibly magical, wonderful people and beautiful scenery. Nice. The country I could return to again and again. France. Surprise. This super trendy destination disappointed me. You know, I like San Francisco, but I don't love it as much as some other places, and I'm not sure why. Okay, that's all right. Not, not everything's for everyone. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, San Francisco people. Maybe I just need you just need to email me some uh, tips and suggestions for my next trip. Exactly. All right. If you're listening from San Francisco, DM Susan and tell her things she that will help her fall in love with your city. Yes, I always answer mid- um, DMs on Instagram. Perfect. And on my bucket list. Ooh, on my bucket list is Africa. I have not been to Africa, any African country, and that is my next big dream trip. I have a very close friend who lives in South Africa, so I'm hoping to get to South Africa and possibly some other um, countries in Africa in the next couple of years. I would love to go to Rwanda or Uganda to see the mountain gorillas. That's on my bucket list as well. Okay, last question. Your one-word answer to complete this sentence, as I age, I feel? Invigorated. Fantastic. I love this. Of course you're invigorated. You're traveling the globe and you're doing what you love. Thank you, Susan. This was a total treat. You've gotten me excited. I'm hoping to be in Acadia myself over the summer. Before we say goodbye, though, how can my listeners find you in Midlife Globetrotter? Yes, I am uh, on Instagram. That's the social that I'm the most active on. And that is midlife.globetrotter. And my website is midlifeglobetrotter.com. I'm also on Facebook. uh, And I think it's underscore midlifeglobetrotter on Facebook. Thank you, Susan. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when nutrition and exercise pro Heidi Skolnick shares ideas from her New York Times bestselling book, The Whole Body Reset, your weight loss plan for a flat belly, optimum health, and a body you'll love at Midlife and Beyond. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. 